My guest today is John Caglione Jr. He is an Academy Award winning and Emmy Award winning makeup artist. At 15 years old, when he's in high school, he started becoming really obsessed. Actually, the obsession started way earlier with movies and also sort of like monster movies and just how the craft of makeup, not just beauty makeup, but special effects makeup was done in this incredible way to transform people. He did this one incredible thing that led him to become mentored by one of the most legendary names in movie makeup and special effects, a guy named Dick Smith. And it was Dick Smith who then jumpstarted John's career by recommending him to the NBC makeup program in 1976, where John would then end up honing his skills, working on game shows, soaps, and then for six years with the original cast of Saturday Night Live. And after that stint was done, he started going out on his own and started doing all of this work on movies like Quest for Fire, Zelig, Cotton Club, Heat, Dick Tracy. And he also designed and applied Heath Ledger's sort of legendary, really iconic Joker character makeup in The Dark Knight. He was nominated for an Oscar that year for Best Makeup, and he has been the personal makeup artist to Al Pacino for a solid 30 years and worked most recently with Al in The Irishman and Hunters. So excited to explore John's career, his interests, the art and craft of makeup and the, the sort of like the different angles and the different paths that that actually encompasses. I'm Jonathan Fields and this is Good Life Project. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You become interested in the world of makeup and, and effects. Did this start originally, though, with the fascination with movies or TV or film? Was there something behind that? Yeah, I think it's all that. It was just the environment at the time. You know, this is like the late 60s and going into the early 70s and then the explosion of the 70s films, like The Godfather. Right. And, and then The Exorcist the and Exorcist The Horror, and, right? Poltergeist. And, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. It, started to, it started to grow certain types of makeup artists and special mm. effects technicians. It required that, and that was the birth of that kind of a renaissance of uh, that that interest. Star Wars, but yeah, The Godfather and and The Exorcist, and then it was kind of all around me growing up. Yeah, so there were certain. There was a magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> and that came out in the '60s. And this guy, this cool older guy, Forey J. Ackerman, wrote it. And it had in its pages all the old uh, Universal horror films. Like the Lon Chaney. Lon and, Chaney um, and the Phantom yeah, of the Opera, yeah. you know, and the Bela Lugosi's. Right. And, and then it also had pictures and of the makeup artists who did the makeups, like Jack Pierce and uh, the Westmores. And then I, that's where I discovered Dick Smith. Hmm. And tell, that just changed everything. Yeah, tell, tell me about Dick Smith. Because he was, I mean seems like really the pioneer in that, yeah. in, in sort of like bridging the gap between what I think a lot of people called makeup and this, you know, special effects are actually, oh, this is something entirely different. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said in uh, other interviews that he was kind of the Les Paul and Jimi Hendrix of makeup, where he not only 
developed a certain sound and a look, a hyper-realism in makeup that didn't exist before. But he also created the new techniques and developed things and technologies beyond the art, uh, you know, his art that people are still trying to strive for today. Uh, you know, that's, he's just a whole separate element. Today, people are still, even myself, are trying to, Go, go to that level and i think he just was a separate thing all to himself yeah Smith. I, I mean but he was the guy that originally sort of like made the jump from a lot of sort of like the original really the, the older the golden age sort of like horror flicks it was sort of like mm -hmm. one big chunk would get slapped onto a person's face and yeah. he was like okay so now well, what if we split into two or three pieces wow, and let yeah. the facial expression actually come through? Yeah, he developed the multi-piece prosthetics where it would, they would, if you did an old age makeup on an actor, it would be a mask and it would be not move properly. So he developed a system where he could cut the clay sculpture up in sections and make separate pieces and put them all together and fit. And they're doing that today his thing was foam latex back in those days, making foam latex prosthetics. But now it's the same process, but it's silicone prosthetics that overlap and fit. And it's easier to apply and it makes it more flexible. The yeah. Pieces. So he, yeah, he's the granddaddy of design. So as a kid, art. as a kid coming up outside of Albany, New yeah. York, who's interested in horror flicks, how does, how does that name drop into your world? I saw him in the pages of Famous Monsters, okay. and uh, you know I'm from upstate New York, and I think that Dick Smith you know, lives in Hollywood. He's a big Hollywood makeup guy. And so uh, The Exorcist had just come out, and I had been tracking Dick Smith for a while, a few years, and The Exorcist came out, and that just blew my mind. And my mother happened to have a gossip magazine uh, called Rona Barrett, the Rona Barrett Gossip Magazine. And in that magazine was the address for the Linda Blair fan club in Hollywood at Warner Brothers. So for, I think for those who don't know, yeah. Linda Blair was in the exorcism. Yeah, she, she was, was right. the, yeah. She was the possessed Reagan right. in, in, the, in the movie. And so uh yeah, so I figured maybe if I write a letter uh, to this fan club it may get to Dick Smith somehow. You know, it's, I'm a kid. I'm th like right. 13 years old. <laughs> You're just winging it. Yeah, so, I just yeah. have no clue and so I, I wrote a letter uh, with questions and my phone number, and I drew, I think I drew, yeah, I drew a caricature of Dick Smith on the envelope so it would stand out, Dick Smith, the exorcist, and block letters. And I send it, and a couple of weeks later, like three or four weeks later, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in, like playing football in the street with my buddies. And my mother yells, Johnny, Dick Smith's on the phone. And so, it, uh, it, you know, I, I get this, I, I, I can't believe it, but I run to the phone, and I'm like, hello. And, and your mom knew who this was and how like. Oh, yeah. 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 She, you know, how I've been, he's, he was like, you know. Like he was, the idol. Yeah. yeah. He, he was like the Steve Ray Vaughan to me. You know, right. He's like the incredible. I got, he actually called me on the phone. And that started a correspondence with him. Uh, he, he said to me, Johnny, send me some questions in a letter with a cassette tape and I'll answer all your questions. So I would send him the, and he gave me his address. He actually lived in Larchmont, New York. So it wasn't actually that far away. He wasn't away. in Hollywood. Yeah. He was, you know, I was upstate New York and he was just outside, just north of Manhattan. So I sent him the letter and the tapes and he would answer all my questions and then go on and talk about how he did uh, the bullet hits in The Godfather, how he, you know, did the bullet wounds, how he slit Finucci's throat in Godfather. He would actually expound on and inspire and uh, and I've got a few of those tapes, and that started a whole relationship with Dick Smith. So he would actually he would record his answers on the audio on tape and send tape it back to and you. send them back to me. Man, those tapes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then from there, I mean, just to show this incredible man's generosity, he would send me actual prosthetics for movies. Like he would send me uh, the the foam rubber pieces from. Uh, little big man that he used on Dustin Hoffman to age Dustin Hoffman. And I would get a manila envelope in the mail with a cassette tape and these pieces, these prosthetics that, that were sculpted. So I, I would have a sense of his sculpture and his design of an actual prosthetic. Just amazing. Yeah. What a gift. Just an amazing. I mean, being. so he effectively becomes your, your mentor from afar. Yeah. You had, kind of a father figure. 
in a sense too. Tell me more about that. Well, you know, at the time my, my mom and dad were splitting up and it was a kind of a crazy thing. And, and I, you know, I was like cleaning floors in a hospital at night. Cause you know, my, in those days when your dad split or in our circumstance, he disappeared. So I like, I, like I had to fake my age and get a job mopping floors at night. And so then along comes Dick Smith and this whole influence. And, uh, the guy kind of actually saved my life at that time uh, beyond makeup. And, uh, and he really, he took me in. Yeah. He took me in just when I needed it. I don't know if this is accurate or not, but it, it cause I know he, in his younger life, he went to, he went to Yale. That's right. Thinking he was going to eventually be studying medicine and a become dentist. a dentist. That's right. But ended up he was a pre -med student. somehow getting exposed to makeup and special effects and then working yeah. in the, the drama department there. Yeah, he found a book, Paint, Powder, and Makeup, in the bookstore at Yale. And he just picked up this book and he started to, as a lark, he says, do these different makeups and characters in the 40s. And then he, I think he actually went to the war, got drafted, and then came out and they were starting this new thing called television. <laughs> And so he kept pounding the pavement, trying to get in, and he finally got into NBC. And he was the first makeup artist in television. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So him taking an interest in you, it it was sort of this. It was it it was not just the fact that he took an interest in you and guided you and was kind to you, but it, timing was a huge part of this because you were mm -hmm. going through this same window where he kind of f fell into your life at the same moment when your dad fell out of your life, yeah. and it's sort of like. Played and so I now I understand why he played a bigger role than just a mentor. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Just opening up to me and helping me, and then beyond that, he would recommend me for little. When he saw the progress, he would recommend me for little jobs. While I was still, you know, cleaning the floors in the hospital, going through high school, I remember one job. That one of the first jobs was there was a wig maker in New York named Bob Kelly. He was the biggest wig maker in the 60s and 70s, maybe 50s, 60s, 70s in New York. And he also had a, started a cosmetic business. And Dick was very tied into Bob Kelly. And Bob Kelly wanted to start this new branch of his cosmetic business called Funky Faces, where he would want to make these different chins and rubber noses and put them in packages and sell them for Halloween. And was looking for a sculptor and a young kid to sculpt these pieces and make rubber mass production molds long story short dick says oh, i know this kid is upstate new york this guy johnny and you know i th i'm gonna, gonna recommend him i think I think he's ready for this and at that time i think i was about 15 and i i, I could dick called me and said this is going to happen and you're going to go down and meet bob kelly here in new york and and i said well dick this is my first job i mean i'm doing high school plays i, I you know i don't know and I said, Dick, you know, I don't, what, what do I charge Bob Kelly? And Dick goes, well, you know, Bob is such a, an honorable man that just tell him you don't know what to charge. And I'm sure he'll pay you more than you ever at, would ever ask for. And so I went, came to New York and I met Bob Kelly and I told him the truth. I don't, don't know what to charge. And he said, hold on. And he was kind of this ex-Marine World War II vet kind of guy wore a Guinea t-shirt, you know, a chomped on a cigar, this really great guy, Bob Kelly. And he came back with a check that, you know, at the time my father was gone. So this check saved me and my family for like six months. And it was like, wow, I can do what I like and I can make good money. And so that started the uh, that started the, the process of moving and trying to become a you know get into the business. Yeah, for real. Was college ever something that you considered, or or did you feel like it just you were so locked into something that you yeah. knew you were doing, and you actually you saw a path to developing a career that it was just like no, that this is it. Yeah, I think it just caught me early the idea of being a makeup artist and and kind of trying to follow the pattern of Dick Smith where. You're working with an actor in a makeup chair with your kit, and that just that just caught me early, and I so I didn't really think my friends were going to college, and uh, I was just about to graduate from high school, but then um, I got the job at NBC on Saturday Night Live, and so um, I was it was a thought to think about high school, but 
before I graduated, I, I actually went down and auditioned for the apprenticeship program. Another thing that I, that I got through Dick Smith, who recommended me to NBC. And so I knew before I graduated my senior year that I had a job in the makeup department at NBC in New York. So I, so college was out that, and NBC was my college. That's where I was gonna go. Yeah, and also I guess at that point, right, you're the middle kid in a family with now a, a single mom raising five kids. Yeah. So the fact that you actually have a job and it's a job doing something you're generally exactly. interested in. Exactly, you're thinking practically. Yeah. Yeah, you know, right. let's just survive here and let's, it's just being presented to me. And, uh, and it's what I really enjoyed doing. So it just seemed the natural flow to just move that way. It's funny because in hindsight, so so you landed at NBC 76-ish, yeah. right? Wow, yeah. SNL starts in 75, right? Yeah. So yeah. like you're, so you drop in sort of like the second season-ish. Um, yeah. And you know, when we think about Saturday Night Live now, it's like, what's this iconic show with like these casts that, and, yeah. and but then, this was a moonshot, you yeah. know, th this was like- It was an experiment. This was Lauren right? sitting there yeah. and everyone thinking, you're insane, dude. <laughs> cast, man. Yeah. That original cast. So that was the crew you were working with. It's, it was, It's yeah. Gilda Radner, Belushi, Aykroyd, like yeah. Bill Murray, like just this, the, the most iconic legendary cast probably in the history Little of the show. Little do we know, right? right? Yeah. And, but you're there in the beginning before any of, anyone really realizes what's going on. Not at all. It's just, you know, I'm dropping into a live television show, just trying to keep my head above water. That's really what it is. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm doing high school plays the year before in Troy High School. And now I'm on this TV, this live TV show. And, you know, what, what am I going to do? You know, it's like crazy. But uh, that was uh, that was a great experience. Uh, what was it? I was actually taking the bus down in 75. Yeah, toward you know, like 75, they wanted, I had the job and NBC wanted me to kind of see the show. So I would take the bus, the trailways bus down to New York from Albany. And I would just kind of observe the the dress rehearsal and uh, and see how it was put together so that when I came in 76, I kind of have an idea of the mechanics of the show. And so, uh, I mean, the very first thing I remember ever was when I walked on the stage and during the dress rehearsals, and I could still see Andy Kaufman doing the 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 record player thing, you know, that 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 thing, and and uh, just saying, "Where am I? What is this?" And yeah, thank you, God, for <laughs> this. <laughs> when when did it dawn on you that you had stepped into something that was truly game-changing. Yeah, I mean, on that, at NBC? Yeah, yeah. I mean, was it right away or, or was it something like, kind of like, was there a moment or were you just like, this is, oh, yeah, this is, this is a moment This is cut. the big time. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the first day, the first time I stepped on the set. Uh, yeah, this is, this is, there's no going back from this now. You know, this, this is, this is changing everything in my life. And then seeing, like Belushi and Aykroyd becoming stars and Animal House and all those things happening. And you're, you're witnessing that bloom. And, and you're real, I, I, I mean, I realized how lucky I was, you know, how this was miraculous to me. Yeah. What's it like for you behind the scenes? What, what's, I'm curious what the culture is with what you're doing and between you and the actors. Hmm. What's the dynamic like? I guess, you know, like, and I I'm actually kind of want to drop into that question over time too in mm -hmm. different cultures, but at that moment in time with that group of, of players, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was just, it, it was controlled chaos is what I can remember from it. It was uh, just, it must've been what it is for live theater, but every every week it's changing. It's a different show. I, I, it's hard to put your finger on it. It was just a wonderful thing to see those guys create things uh, and characters. And I think that's where I first learned about developing characters and you know how actors approach characters. And um, in those days, there was no budget for makeup and hair. We were like doing, it was like a college play, 
Uh, now they do these big elaborate makeups and they have a big, you know, lab at, at, at NBC and it's incredible what they're doing now. But it, in those days, it was just, you brought your makeup kit, you stuck a, a mustache on or a ball cap and and the rest was performance. Yeah, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was my college of makeup knowledge and not just that show, but I was on staff at NBC. So I would do the soaps and the right. game shows and everything else that came into it. You know, you'd make an occasional cone head or you'd do something like that. But it was, uh, NBC was a great experience because I, I got to develop beauty makeup, and ca you know, besides character makeup and prosthetic makeup. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious about that also because especially so you're bouncing from character makeup, prosthetic makeup um, on the soaps, which I'm, I'm guessing is more beauty. Beauty, makeup. corrective um, makeup. Are those, because it's sort of like the, the purpose of the makeup is different in those mm -hmm. different settings. And it feels like in, in this day and age, and I, I could be totally off, but I'm curious that there are, it's become a super specialized industry. Like you do this and it's yeah. sort of like fairly narrow, but it sounds like what you're describing is yeah, you kind of just got trained in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. It's so, it's such a shame that it, it's become so like you're saying departmentalized. It's one person does this and the other person does that. And I'm in the Dick Smith vein, or at least I'd like to try to, I've, I've always tried to, or my career has taken me in that direction where it, you're a makeup artist and that means beauty character sculpture and design and yeah that's and it's interesting doing beauty makeup and learning it at nbc and and then years later just doing films with actresses beauty makeup has informed my prosthetic makeups mm. and it really you, you realize that it all is kind of you you kind of need to know the beauty makeup and the character makeup uh, because millimeters are miles in my craft. And that's that's not just in sculpture and prosthetics, it's in beauty makeup too, you know, and knowing what's important to that particular face in beauty and character and in prosthetics. There's, there's some people that would get an old age makeup, let's say, and they will think, oh, I'll do this great old age it'll be all these wrinkles it'll be you know my sculpture and the art of it to me is to just know what that face requires and for that character and nothing more and nothing less and that's that's the beauty like if you look at dick's body i keep going back to dick smith but he had an innate i don't know if it's supernatural gift to know exactly uh, what that particular character needs and that particular face for the character that the actor's playing. Nah. And uh, not too many people have that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's like you're an artist, um, you're, a, you're a painter, but the canvas isn't a canvas. The canvas is a person's face mm -hmm. and entire head. Um, right. You know, it's, and for some things. And, and it's not static. It's, mm -hmm. it's moving, it's changing constantly. Yeah. And you're not just designing for them, you're designing for a particular effect or impression within the context of this bigger story that's the being told. The fabric of the film. Right. And the characters in it. Like a good example for me, even still, I know it's going back into the 70s and it's Dick Smith again, but if you look at The Exorcist, yeah. you see everyone thinks, oh, the Linda Blair makeup, this demonic makeup is just, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. But there's another great makeup that, tells a great story visually and it's the old father Marin. And I don't, a lot of people don't realize that that his whole face is rubber. That Max von Sita was only like, I think he was 47 hmm. when he did that, that part. And the, there are the, the, there's two makeups in one film that are just brilliant and don't overcrowd the story. They fit within the fabric of the story. And those are the amazing makeups to me. Yeah, and it's almost like you're describing to a certain sensitivity. Right, and and it's like there's two extremes to a certain extent. There's one where it is so clearly over the top that you know yeah. this is not the way that the person looks walking down the street. Right. And then there's the other where it's almost, it's the exact, it's, it so alters the way that a person appears, but it's 
so natural to both their face and what would be appropriate to sort of like that age or whatever the mm-hmm. you know, the context is that it's almost like you're not even aware of the fact that it's there. It's an invisible. Yeah. Yeah, it flies under the radar. Which is, is I mean, that's, that's got to be sort of like one of the things that you just, I mean, to, to get to a point where it's almost like you're so extraordinary that the makeup ceases to be the thing that people are looking at. It just vanishes. And it's almost like that's a sign of how, of your craft. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's invisible. You, you, the audience completely believes in the story and the character. And I think that is really what, what the makeup artist should be doing. It shouldn't be grandstanding. It should be what that character needs and what this helps tell the story. And that just transcends clay and paint. And there's only a few that I've had the pleasure of knowing, like Dick Smith. They, they just get that, you know, almost like a good actor's performance. Mm. And it, it's, it's not, it becomes, it, I know it gets a little heady here, but it becomes beyond the technical. You just have an intuitive feeling about something. And you're able to translate it. You know, it's, yeah, it's like it's like, it must be like music. I I, I mean, it sounds a, a lot. There's like guitar it. players, and then there's yeah. guitar players that can make you feel people something. who go somewhere and take you with them. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not only that, but it's it's technique. Yeah, but there's there's a vibration coming from it that on some other level you're getting, but you're not even aware of it. And I think that's just in art, you know, good art. I mean, part of that art also. I would imagine is the ability to cultivate trust and intimacy mm-hmm. with the person that you're working with. I mean, yeah. that's got to be. I'm so curious about your experience around that and how mm-hmm. how that plays into what you do when you're working with someone. Yeah, well, you know, I always approach like where I work a lot with Al Pacino. There's a certain amount of trust there. I don't know why that is or how that works over the years, uh, but. The first thing I do with Al is I try to just kind of get into his, how he's feeling about a character, you know, and try to know as much about, you know, his approach to the character. And then we just start playing around with stuff. It really just comes down to, it it comes down to almost like a wardrobe fitting, trying different jackets and tie. Once you get into the zone of the character through his help, you, you start to, uh, it's it's a, like a process of elimination. What is required for him to believe visually what he's playing and then, uh, and to not, not to detract from his performance in any way to help him enhance the performance. And I think those are the, the beautiful makeups that I've seen over the years. Yeah. Where they're not upstaging a performance. You're just gilding the lily in a sense. You're just, it's just perfect for the actor to create his character and uh, and nothing more. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight-up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front-row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Good Life Project is sponsored by NetSuite. So I remember when our businesses were just starting to really scale. It was amazing and also added complexity and stress. And the things that I used to do in hours were taking days, too many spreadsheets, too many systems, no single source of truth. That sounds familiar. You should know these numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. 37,000 businesses have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And 1. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth, manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash goodlife. That's netsuite.com slash goodlife to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash goodlife. The work that you've done with Pacino over the years, and I know you worked with them in a lot of different movies, I guess probably the most recently The Irishman, right? Yeah. Uh, most recently, the the Hunters, this TV oh, okay. series we just did. Got yeah. it, got it. But it's interesting because it's in, a lot of fun. So I recently saw The Irishman, and I was actually marveling at the fact how uh, how they were like there were people in that movie where you kind yeah. of you saw them over these it was flipping between big windows of time, right? And and I was actually marveling. I was like, I had no idea that you had actually worked on that movie at, at how effectively I was. How able lucky to was I to work on that movie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it was amazing to see like how believably they would be able to just jump between different generations, the same person appearing to be completely different ages. And I guess that's part of where my curiosity around the intimacy comes from, because especially when you're working with somebody who's very high profile, Mm -hmm. who has a certain image and likes to appear a certain way. You're an image maker is what you're doing here. You're a co-creator of an image. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, And then... They've got to trust you, especially if if you're working mm-hmm. with them, to craft an image based on their real face. And maybe right. you make changes to it of what they, as not just the role that they're playing, but mm-hmm. as a human being, may look like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road. Yeah. I mean. Or the other way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that. that It's a lot of trust there. It's a lot of trust. Yeah. <laughs> because in, in a way, you're showing the public what this person might look like, you yeah. know, 30 years older. Yeah. And for people who are so protective mm-hmm. of the the brand and the image that they've crafted at that moment in time, yeah, that is a huge leap of trust. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it, it really is. And it's, uh, it's, um, they are relaxed enough in the, in their own minds and souls to, to, to do it. I mean, that's really an incredible thing, you know, to not really, Think about protecting your image so much to take a chance and alter it and see how it goes, you know. But on The Irishman, there wasn't much that I really did. It was really Pablo Hellman and Industrial Light and Magic that really, that's, they, they, they really did the work on that picture and developed a new system, new cameras. And it was just a... I was just, my job was not to be too geeked out on the set every day (laughs) and to see all these great 
actors with Scorsese. I'm always trying not to lose, not to become too jaded in my industry and to try to, you know, stay fresh and to, to really just enjoy it as much as possible. And the Irishman was that. It was just an amazing thing to, to witness. Yeah. It, it will probably never happen again. We kind of took a big leap in time. I want to fill in a little bit more. So you you end up at, at NBC for five, six, seven years, something yeah, like that, about, right? Yeah, about six years um, staff. And then start working, you start doing movies, but you're kind of overlapping, right? So you, you, you're keeping your salary job and then you're, you would go on set for a chunk of time to work on a yeah, movie. Yeah, a little bit, little, little things here and there right. through Dick Smith recommendations, got kind of launched my entire career, this man. He really did <laughs> television and film. But I'm also raising a family at the time too, you know, just getting yeah. married and, and having kids. And, and uh, yeah, so NBC and then NBC was really good because if there wasn't Saturday Night Live, they would let me go and do a movie because they could replace me with other, because they didn't, they didn't need their prosthetics guy for SNL. So in that time I did some work with Woody Allen on Zelig and I did these different character makeups on Woody Allen. And, and then I did a, a couple of horror movies in that time. And then NBC was like, listen, you're getting a lot of freelance work. Uh, maybe it's time you flew the coop and And so uh, then I just uh, dove into free, more freelance work. So, I mean, but, but it's not just diving into more freelance work because like you just said, you're married, you're creating a family, you're coming from a background where as a teen, your parents' marriage falls apart and that causes a lot of financial stress for the family. You're doing the thing you love and you've got like a full-time salary job. And the movie stuff is not that. Yeah, so like that's it's really the, not. the decision to say like. And when at that time, time, there was no Netflix or right. new media. It was either you know you worked in, at NBC, or you waited for a movie like a Paramount picture to happen. There was nothing else, right? At so that this time. this so is it was a little it was a little scary. This is like there was some leap and hope there's a net, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so what's that like for you? Sort of saying like this is the logical next step for me. I love doing it. I want to make sure that I'm there for my family. It, like, t- tell me a little bit about how you navigate sort of like the conversation in your head. and also relatively newly married. Like, yeah. how did, was the conversation just sort of like with your then like my your wife, partner, your my wife, wife Helen? Like, yeah. yeah, it's just I always wondered about Helen because she, either she's a, the best actress I've ever known because she never really worried about the droughts. Or what was going to happen next? She'll just be like, so she's we'll, an actor. "We'll be fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll be okay. Don't worry. We're going to." So she gets to be world at least. Yeah, right. she was really pretty. I always wondered if she had millions stashed or stocks <laughs> somewhere, you know? Because she secret just, trust fund. Yeah, yeah, she just believed in me, you know, and that we would be okay, and so that helped a lot. That took a lot of heat off me, you know. And uh, but you still want to provide and you know make a living. Like I said, we there were some droughts, and but we uh, we kept it together, and we 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 made it work, and that's I've been married thirty eight years now. So, mm. um, how'd you guys meet? Uh, I actually met her on Saturday Night Live. Oh, you're kidding! Yeah. I used to get comp tickets to the show uh, through the writers, Franken and Davis, yeah. who I became good friends with at that time, and uh, and some of the other writers, and they would give me comp tickets to the show, and my on a double date with my cousin who would, they were all in a wedding party and they came to Saturday Night Live and uh, got them seats. And it was actually the show where we made up John Belushi to look like Liz Taylor (laughs) choking on a chicken bone. And Helen, my wife was in the front row getting chicken spit on herself. And, And so, you know, that led to getting to know her. And I wasn't even thinking, I mean, I was making no money, you know, coming from you know, the situation growing up and sending, I used to send my paycheck home to my mom, you know, cause it was, I'm not crying, but it was, it was a, a lot of things going on. And, um, and then I met Helen and, uh, and we started dating and, and, uh, just figured, geez, let's, let's try it. Let's, let's see how it goes. And, but she never really worried about what was going to happen next. And it all worked out somehow. Yeah. It's- it really did. Is she in this crazy business? Is she still acting in any way, or she's not an actress at all? I'm just saying she's the best actress oh, I've it. ever ah, known. She's it, not. She it, was. In, she, actually, when I met her, she worked 
I worked at NBC on Sixth Avenue, and she worked at for Morgan Stanley. She was a stockbroker. Got it. And so maybe she had stocks I still don't even know about. But, you know, we started dating and she would come to NBC and we would have dinner and we would start dating. And uh, and no, she's not at all in the business. She's a stock. She's the brains. Yeah. I call her the B of H. That's the bank of Helen. Uh, you know, I just she takes care of that stuff. And uh, it, it's worked out. Yeah. It's all worked out. Because you're on TV. NBC is in New York. And it's changed a lot in the last five or 10 years. But for a lot of years... New York was TV and LA was film. Yeah. Was there sort of like an East Coast, West thing, Coast thing going on in terms of like, you don't play wow. in our playground, and I don't play in your playground? Yeah, you know this whole thing, don't you? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there was. There was a, there, and they, they, it's loosened up. There's two separate unions. There's one in Hollywood and there's one in, the, there's a few unions now. The unions have worked it out. They've got all these different ter territories. But at that time, it was Hollywood in New York. Yes, and there was. Uh, you couldn't go east, west of the Mississippi River was the territory. And so, yeah, back then in the you know late 70s, early 80s, not many people were able to make that transition to go to the West Coast and do a film there and, and, and come to the East Coast. Uh, I think the only one was Dick Smith. He was able to get his union card in Hollywood and, and be bi-coastal. So, yeah, there was that. And so you were pretty much based to New York Productions. And uh, and then things started to change a little bit. More studios developed, and and uh, p people were able to move a little bit around a little bit more. Yeah, and get work. So you jump into it. Sounds like for a, a chunk of time, you you really said, okay, so I'm I'm going to see what I can make happen. Predominantly in film, uh -huh. you end up working with some of the people you talk well, about. Well, you know, I really don't. I to tell you to stop you. I, yeah. I really haven't had a choice in any of it. Tell me more. It's like you just take what you can. I yeah. mean, Bob Kelly, going back to Kelly, one thing he told me was you don't turn anything down in this business but the bed sheets. You just take what you can get. And really, that's really, you know, or very early on in my career, that's the way it goes. We're technicians. So, you know, if a job comes up, you grab it, you say, oh, I can do that. And then you just figure out how to do it. You know, and that's that's how it went. Do you still see yourself as just a technician? Because from the outside looking in, I mean, you're at a point where I get it in the early days, right? Yeah. But you've been in this for a while now. Yeah. Um, you're you're a quote known entity. You've won Academy Award. You're you are by every definition, you know, like a, a extraordinarily crafted person. Like you were a master in your craft. I'm trying to be. But there's something like kind of like that's radiating from you. It's like, nah, I still have the technician. Like I see myself in a certain way. <laughs> I guess I do. You know, it's, um, thank you. That's very nice to hear. I appreciate you saying that. But um, I, I'm beginning to see that uh, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm pretty good. And I enjoy even the basic skills that I have today, like even mixing a bowl of plaster, right? And, or taking a mold of someone's face. I'm, I, 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 I'm prideful of those things that I've mastered now. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I am now, but you, you know, you want to keep a level head and, and keep it real too. And, uh, but yeah, no, I have, there's, there's things that I have mastered and that I'm proud of. And it took many years to, to develop. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the things I think, you know, became a really big public thing was, so I, you know, in, in the last year, everybody's talking about the recent incarnation of the, the Joker. Yeah. Right, with Joaquin Phoenix. But the version of the movie that came before that with Heath Ledger mm -hmm. um, was also pretty iconic. You were <laughs> you were at the center of what that, that? that whole thing. Tell me how that unfolds. And you, you know, to tell you the truth, Jonathan, I'm not really sure how that unfolded. I, I, I can only guess that I did a film years before that called Insomnia and Christopher Nolan directed it and Wally Pfister was the DP and and so and I just did Al Pacino's makeup and he had some scars that I put on and it was really not a big deal and I met Chris there and it was great he was really nice nice and then um years later I was finishing up a film and I got a call in the airport in New Mexico and they it was Emma Thomas Chris Nolan's wife who's the producer and they said, we're doing this movie, uh, The Dark Knight. Are you going to be in California? I said, as a matter of fact, we're going to finish filming in California. I'll be there. And so long story short, they set up a meeting. And I 
I, I went to Warner Brothers and I met I met uh, Heath. He was in a rough costume fitting, and Chris and Emma, and we met and it was like a fifteen minute meeting at Warner Brothers. And I I came away from it thinking, well, you know, I don't know if I that went well. You know, I just and they called me the next day. I said, oh, good, we want to you know start doing stuff and tests and and uh, that's basically how how it started. Yeah, I mean the dark night. The, the makeup that Joker. you did on yeah. his face was, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was extraordinary. Well, his performance is just so extraordinary. Yeah. It was How do just you, amazing. I was just lucky. It, when, when you think, when you're sitting down with him, right. And you're developing this character, how do you even begin to come up with, okay, so this is what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it like divine inspiration or is there. There's some of that. I think, I think it, there's just that anyway. But that's another story. Uh, but yeah, that, there's always that. Reading the script, it, you, it's an organic thing. It's Batman does not have superpowers. These people are not like Marvel comic book. These are real people. So one thing that Chris said is this has to be plausible. This has to be a guy, a psychopath who does his own makeup and can wear it for days or forget about it or could even be on drugs and not even realize that he's wearing makeup. So that that sets the wheels in motion in a design. Early on, my designs were very deliberate, like a makeup artist would do it. They were very clean and sharp line, almost like the kind of like the Joker, the uh, the approach they took with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, very painted and clown like, and uh, that didn't fit that vision, and so. It had to be very degraded and broken down, which goes against everything. <laughs> you know, a trained makeup artist is, you know, you want clean lines. And so it was, uh, it, it, the like I've said, per, the perfection in that makeup was imperfection. It had to be broken down and degraded. And that's, and that came through makeup tests with Heath. I would, they would fly me to London and we would start just playing around. And then hitting on certain things, like he he would be laughing in the chair, and I would accidentally have painted over his crow's feet, you know, the smile lines, and we get these creases, and Heath would be like, "Oh, that looks great!" Like we do it, and it just kind of me and him and Chris Nolan brought in these Francis Bacon paintings, these books on these very blurred images, Francis Bacon, and and it all just kind of became a hodgepodge of ideas till it finally, you know, became what it became. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've I've heard it said that team the um the music the soundtrack in some movies becomes literally like another character in the movie. Right. Do you have a sense for and not all the time, but in in certain moments in certain movies and certain characters that the makeup also almost rises to the level of becoming a character? Yeah, I, I mean, in my experience, rarely. I mean, like Dick Tracy. You know, Chester Gould designed those beautiful right. drawings. So it was just an interpretation of a line drawing that was brilliant and worked for years. But in my experience, in my career, it, it's only happened a few times. And I'm grateful for that. And one of those times was with Heath on The Dark Knight. And uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. When you, when you work with somebody like that, um, you develop a relationship with them. And again, even though maybe fleeting there is a mm -hmm. short intense intimacy there is that has to be there I mean, right. you're like six <laughs> inches to a, almost a foot away you're the closest thing besides maybe a, a kissing scene with another actor you're that yeah it's pretty intimate sometimes, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and just physically and and often for hours longer than they're even with the other <laughs> actors in the cast yeah when you're when you're doing something like that and then you're with, with heath in this example and then um, soon after the movie, we know, you know like he ends mm. up passing. How, how did that, how did you experience that? Honestly, I, I cried. I, I just, it, it was, um, besides Al, he's the only actor I've ever really kind of on an, on that level connected to. I, you know, I mean, I would get hugs every morning and every night, you know, and it was, uh, it, it almost felt like you were, working with someone beyond the business in a sense. So it really, uh, that, that blindsided me. It took me a, a little time to, to shake that off, you know? Um, yeah, that, that was, uh, 
that was a difficult time, you know. Yeah. And he was great. You know, we, we would have these little parties, little rap parties, because we would shoot in London and we were shot in Chicago and they'd have these parties and Keith and I always managed to dance together at these things. And you know, you just have all these great great memories that are just beyond the work. And that doesn't happen very often. So, you know, those those are special things to me. Yeah. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I mean, also the um, beyond that and beyond what what happened with Heath, the I guess the the fundamental nature of working on a film versus on on an ongoing series is this thing where there's there's like a, a family that forms temporarily. Yeah, you get fiercely close for this short window of time. That's, you spend yeah. like so much time, like mm-hmm. more than you would ever spend with a friend outside of there, like Absolutely. in this environment, and then it's like you cut at the end of it yeah. and everyone disbands and they're off to their next project. And do, do you, do you feel that sort of sense of transition or loss or because you're part of that, you're part of yeah. that crew. And then it's like, yeah, when you everyone's to done, you're done too. That's right. Yeah, you do. You, there is a sense of uh, that, you know, it's like a breakup. Unless it's a, such a not such a good experience that you're looking, you're all looking forward to. Like, Man, this uh, should have ended a month ago. When's the wrap? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, I've been lucky in that sense that I've worked with some really cool people and and technicians and people around me, and even makeup and hair teams that those are the people that you're most connected to the other makeup and hair people in the makeup trailer or in the makeup room. And when that vibe is incredible, that's a tough thing to say goodbye to. You want that to continue too, you know, uh, besides the actors and the directors and that's all incredible, but just in that group, that's always, uh, that's always tough to say goodbye to those people. You want it to want to do it again and again. 
when you think about the um the craft side it's, um it's breaking up of a band yeah i mean sounds like it <laughs> it really is man you know you're with this group and you're you're all in at four o'clock in the morning then the actors come in but you you and the band the other hair and makeup people the team are getting ready for the you know the principal cast to come in and you form a bond there that's it when it's working and it's it's clicking it's that's a tough thing to say goodbye to sometimes it's tough do you end up working with the same people in different i try like, yeah i try now like you have you your know, favorite and <laughs> i do i i try to wiggle my way in with right. the producers to try to get some people that i really enjoy working with and the, the producers and the really great ones that i've been lucky to work with they want a happy tp because that's where the actor's environment begins it's in there and they want the most creative and uh and a good vibe a good choo-choo you yeah. know in the trailer that's important when you're working on your craft how do you because you've been in this for decades now right um yeah. you've seen well, a lot of change years. in the industry but also mm -hmm. just on an individual level as somebody who cares about the craft somebody who cared about the craft long before you were even in the industry side mm -hmm. of it um and you get so deep into it where you sort of become one of the leading players in that space how do oh, how do you that. keep uh, I'll, I'll i'll say it from my chair okay you know, you know, but yeah you know, when, when you've been doing it for a long time maybe the most leading player sitting in this chair in that chair yeah we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll stay for right there now. <laughs> how do do you do anything to proactively continue to push the envelope on your capabilities sure you do sure yeah you want to stay up on everything because it's a, it's a competition really i mean it, it, it comes down to uh being on your game so you know for me if it's prosthetics it's sculpture and design and that's something that i really always key on it's like keeping your fingers on the guitar you know you just want to stay on it and so that's that's something that you know i'm always i always have my nose in the glamour magazines looking at new products and new trends and yeah i mean if you want to stay in the business you better keep your hands on it so yeah always Plus, I love it. I mean, I still do. After all these years, I still, I, I, it's sick. But, you know, one of the producers, I'm going to do this TV series next. And they, we were talking about night shoots. And um, I, I'm crazy. I love night shoots. Most people hate night shoots. I mean, I did the movie Heat uh, years ago. And Heat is like 75% nights. I loved it. You know, it's like, so, yeah kind of an unorthodox animal i just still i enjoy the craft and i enjoy the, the process of of making films and television shows yeah and I, I can't believe i'm doing it for a living i, I honestly don't i can't believe it. it it seems like a lot is um there's the pendulum is swinging back to cinematic tv mm -hmm. these days also where it's it, for i feel like for a while the best storytelling you would look to the big screens right and the last decade or so, the pendulum has swung back. Not that the storytelling on big screens is bad now, but right. just there's, you can take your time and let a story unfold over many more hours, you know? That's right. On, on TV now and in a way that where, it's, because very often it's not broadcast TV, but it's, you mm -hmm. know, paid TV. So you can, you can do things that you could never do on um, sure. traditional channels. Is, is a the lot Irishman. Of, yeah. Right, it came out simultaneously, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I mean, it came out in a the theater for the Academy. Right, you know, so that yeah, it so could cool be, meet its right. qualifications, but you, it's on Netflix. It was right. built for Netflix, and that's what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, do you find yourself working a lot more? Because I know you were, there was a chunk of time where it was largely film. Yeah. Are you sliding back into sort of like the serialized TV fiction yeah. side of things now? Yeah, and I'm grateful for it. I mean, it's just the the, the new media has created a lot of work for a lot of people, a lot of technicians. And, you know, like we said earlier, uh, back in the 70s, in the early, you would wait for a film to come into New York, like Annie or, or some musical. There was no new media. So, you know, it was either television, game shows, or every once in a while a film would drift into New York. And so it's, it's great for our business. It really is. It's yeah. terrific. You, I'm working a lot now, which is incredible. Which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So my other curiosity around that, though, is while the opportunities for that have now, I think, expanded dramatically at the same time, like you referenced in The Irishman, 
yes, there was makeup on set and at the same time ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, um, which for those who don't know is this extraordinary, basically digital effects um, studio, was also integrally involved in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Curious, what's happening with this sort of, you know, what you do is a very physical, manual, hands-on, artistic thing, you know, with this intimate thing between another person. Is that being intruded on or in any way replaced by what's happening digitally these days? I, I think it's somewhat being intruded on. I, you know, it, it can't help it. I mean, where makeup ends, you you need digital help. I mean, there's no way around that. But I think for, I'd like at least I'd like to think for most actors, they need to look in the mirror. They need to see a physical thing happening f- for them. I, I don't, I, I could be wrong, but I don't see it us fading away anytime soon. I think there'll always be the need for that. I think what it affected a kind of the makeup industry is the creatures, like the big creature suits and those things. Uh, now they do that more post and digital. But I see that they're starting to return back to like creature suits and monster oh, no suits kidding. and that kind of thing, which is not my bag. Yeah, my career's yeah. more of a makeup guy in a, in, a, in a trailer with an actor. So I think that they're returning to more guys in rubber suits again because the technology there has advanced so much. The, the things that they're able to do is amazing. So at least I'd like to think we won't be replaced. Yeah. We'll see. But you made such an interesting point also about the fact that it's, it's not just what what technology is capable of making us see on screen, but it's what it's the it's the effect that the the effect on an actor of having spent you know like three four or five hours in a chair with you and seeing and feeling like like tangibly feeling a physical transformation in their own body yeah. and how that then affects their performance what they actually give. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. That's got to be big. That's got to be huge. Well, I mean, look, it worked for uh, De Niro and Raging Bully, put on weight. He transformed you physically, and it's there. You you can't act that. I mean, it's, there's the physical presence happening right before your eyes. So, yeah, I, I, I think there will always be a place for us somewhere mm. along the line. Yeah. When you look at what you're sort of, you wake up in the morning, you're excited to do. Dick Smith drops into your life in your early teens. Very often. Do you do you have do you think about whether you play a role in sort of like turning back and and playing a mentorship position to others? Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I I hope to think that that's the case. I have some f- fans that follow me on Instagram. I don't. I don't at all compare myself to Dick Smith. That's a whole separate. You know. Yeah, just in terms of the role, in terms of the idea of you reach a certain place where you're like, you know what, I, I have. Um, there's something in me that wants to, in some way, teach or not. That, that I would love back. to do. Yeah, I yeah. was just talking to my daughter coming in today. That down the road, I would love to teach. I would love to, you know, have a uh, a theater course in makeup and wig design and and you know theater craft and yeah that's that's something i would really love to do someday maybe you know Mm. teach and get involved with young people and uh just keep it moving along you try to you know pay it forward like dick smith i mean dick smith launched a lot of careers not just mine there's rick baker and uh, a, a lot of heavyweights in the industry that if it wasn't for him there would be none of us so yeah that's that's always in the back of my head Absolutely. Uh, so it feels like a good place for us to start to come full circle too. I'm, I'm curious though, just sitting here, having worked with so many different people, having worked in so many different formats, is there something that you still look out and say like, I haven't done that yet. Mm. And I really would love to make that happen. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, makeup-wise, just to set yeah, the just in terms of you, yeah, doing yeah. doing the thing you do. Yeah, I I always I always fade back to Dick and aging makeups are always the I think the tallest order, and to do something successfully that would be he did uh, uh, F. Mary Abraham and Amadeus, and that is just you know so that's legendary. Yeah, so that that might be something maybe down the road mm. to try to 
to perfect and uh, tip my hat to Dick Smith. Yeah. Mm. So as we sit in this container of the Good Life Project, if I offer up the phrase, to live a good life, what comes up? To be honest, faithful to my family, to believe in a higher power, you know, it's something I've always tried to always uh, acknowledge every day and to be grateful just for uh, sitting in this room with you right now. You know, that's the real thing. Everything else seems to be at this age. I'm 62 now, just a bunch of something else really. But yeah, just to, just to, uh, to connect and to be with you here, Jonathan, that's important. Mm. That's a good life. It really is. That's the real deal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks also to our fantastic sponsors who help make this show possible. You can check them out in the links we have included in today's show notes. And while you're at it, if you've ever asked yourself, what should I do with my life? We have created a really cool online assessment that will help you discover the source code for the work that you're here to do. You can find it at sparkatype.com. That's S-P-A-R-K-E. T-Y-P-E.com or just click the link in the show notes. And of course, if you haven't already done so, be sure to click on the subscribe button in your listening app so you never miss an episode. And then share, share the love. If there's something that you've heard in this episode that you would love to turn into a conversation, share it with people and have that conversation. Because when ideas become conversations that lead to action, that's when real change takes hold. See you next time.